Legend Factory Pod. Fellas, everyone's in the studio. Boss. Pod 13. Hello, le- hello, legends. How are we? Welcome back, Joshy. How's it's it feel? N- it's nice to be back in the studio. Boz has uh, had the heater going for an hour, just warming it up for us, ready to go. Yep, it's well, nice to see your faces. It is. It is. No, it's always good to have, have the three of us. Plus. Yep, plus one. We've got the famous uh, Thomas Lynch back. He's back. Bonjour, bonjour. Good <laughs> to be back. What, I've what been practising for weeks. You, what do you call him, Cheese? The cycling Tsar. He's back, the Tsar. It's very nice to be back. Welcome. Thank you. Did you cycle you out here? I was on the verge, but no. You got, uh, the, you got the hat on. I wanted to be as fresh as I could be. That's, that's not on point for you, Lynch. He's got, got the yeah, Rafa hat on, which the, I like. Yeah, the I just ra- don't like Rafa riding with a backpack if I can avoid it. Yeah, yeah fair call. Not as aerodynamic. Cheese oh, uh, clocked over average of 30 kilometres this morning per hour. Well done, Cheese. You've been out on, uh, what about on your feet? Have you been running? I, I think I'll get fit enough to beat you over 1,500 via cycling, Boz. But thanks anyway. We'll see. So, so hold on, 30 Kilometers an hour is what your average was. Yes. What sort of tailwind are we talking? There was a generous one on the way out, <laughs> down to Mont <laughs> But on the way back, that's obviously a uh, fierce headwind. So you, I, you stopped. You stopped the Strava on the way back, did no, you? No, no, no. Or I you I hitched didn't. on the back of a tram or something like that. No, no, no. It was. Jesus, uh, sucking down some some wheels on Beach Road, trying to. On the way there, I was sucking some wheels. So you're uh, claiming you, you think it's good going 30 k's an hour down Beach Road. Let's move on, boss. <laughs> <laughs> At least he's out there. That's no, the main thing. That's there. true. That's yeah. true. And I've, I've been a bit... Nice week, I wouldn't too. say I've been slack, but I've, I've, I'm currently doing physio where I'm doing a lot of leg weights and okay. all this sort of stuff. So it's a bit bit tired at the moment. Um, but yeah, it was good to get back out on the, on the wheels. Who'd you go with? Myself. Oh, nice. Yeah. Just a bit of solitude out there for him. Yeah, a bit of, bit of me Alone time. Alone with these thoughts. Bit of cheese time. Well, okay. with those thoughts, you would have thought of a few around the grounds, right? Have I ever, boss? <laughs> Talk me through it. So my one is a little bit actually <coughs> disappointing uh, for myself as a diehard, beloved Tottenham Hotspurs fan where we're closing in on, I think, almost 80 days without a manager. So oh. a, almost 80 days since we sacked Jose, which I was all for, don't get me wrong. Um, but we've, I think, since then maybe rolled through potentially 10 possible candidates that have been close to being signed potentially. And we're still without a manager. And the current top candidate that's getting a look in is a former Wolverhampton Wolves manager who got the flick. Is this a Tottenham issue or a managerial issue? I think this is a Tottenham issue. I think it's to do with the chairman, uh, who's very close to the owner. And he runs it like a business rather than like a sporting club who want to win. And also he's a bit of a bit tight on the purse strings. Uh, and doesn't like to just yeah, hand cash out. So therefore, although we were looking to go after Conte, apparently we couldn't afford it. There was a couple of million dollars or a couple of million pounds difference in wages and, and a few backroom staff. And I think Levy just likes to run his own show rather than being told what to do. Uh, so that's mm. why we're yeah, down to candidate number 10. Well, so well, things couldn't get any worse for uh, Spurs with the manager, Chief. So maybe you try your hand <laughs> with that one. Yeah, possibly. That could, that could be a go, couldn't it? See how it goes. You can um, put your hand up for it. I, I have done that before, actually. I did email Daniel Levy uh, about 18 months ago uh, saying, look, Jose's a spastic. Uh, get him out. Get me in. Um, but there was yeah no response, unfortunately, <laughs> from Daniel. Did you do that? No, I did, yeah. We might post that on our socials afterwards. I did, yeah. It was uh, a little bit humorous. Uh, I'm surprised they're offering you a season ticket, potentially. Yeah, well, that's, those that's, sort of emails. that's the other news. That's the other news. Cheese might be in line for a... 
Tottenham Hotspurs season ticket. Although I'm clearly not, not over in London anymore, so I can't use it, but I'm yeah. still going to purchase it. Just, just giving them away down there, aren't they? <laughs> I think the waiting that? list is about 100 years for a Liverpool uh, season That's ticket. That's gold. I, mean, I, was, I literally I was in, laying in bed yesterday morning, got the email read, and I was like, I was in absolute shock. Pack your bags. Oh, mm. See you. It's going that. back. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, it's not much competition for those, as you said, Josh. So Yeah, fair call. Well, look, enough of uh, the EPL from Cheese to start off with. But, you know, a couple of things that really caught my eye this week around the grounds. Loving what's been going on uh, with the NFL and the build-up to, to the new season. So a couple of really interesting things. They've approved alternative hel- helmets or alternate helmets mm. uh, being back in the league. So... Um, now all the teams can basically jazz up their their helmets for certain games and stuff like that, which is really cool, and bring back some of the old school designs as throwbacks, which is um, you know just adds to the atmosphere uh, of of the NFL, which is really cool. I also like um, a really really great initiative by a number of the tight end players in the uh, in the NFL. This week they've started up what they call the tight end university. So yep. Travis Kelsey, Greg Olson, um, George Kittle have basically banded together and brought all of the tight ends across the NFL together for a what they call the university, where they where they teach and talk about you know how to get better at the position, and they go out on the booze together, and they you know hold all sorts of things going on, and it just looks. Like the best time ever. So was it? Is this for like current tight ends or yeah, um, yeah. people coming into the league as well? Yeah, I think it's. I don't know if it's any people that aren't in the league, but mm. I think it's all the tight ends that are currently in the league. Like I saw Travis Kelsey, um, like tutoring uh, Kyle Pitts, mm. which was really cool. Um, so it's sort know. of like I saw Dawson Knox as well getting like a lesson. I, I was thinking like, like NFL players got some egos, right? And I was like, like how would you feel like George Kittle? And you're like Dawson Knox and you're like, you're going to be playing against this guy. Yeah. It's like, how would you feel if like this guy's teaching you how to run a route? And it's like, bro, I got to the NFL without you. you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. Like, but when Travis Kelsey is like one yeah. of the greatest tight ends of all time is telling you how to run a route, you yeah. you listen. But I'm, I really love the fact that it's like become this like brotherhood of the tight ends, which maybe isn't a, as evident across the other positional groups in the NFL. I think and you saw like um like uh, Patrick Mahomes was like, Oh bro, I gotta get involved next year <laughs> and like all this sort of stuff. Like there's some real jealousy from the outside looking in. I think it's a really cool story. And I would say like the probably the one position or one of the positions that you would say would have the least egos floating around would probably be the tight end space. Yeah. Well I mean National Tight End Day, that's a thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We should put that in the Legend Factory calendar or all Absolutely, sort. yeah. But, um, I mean, I've the one story I like or like or dislike is sort of who you go for, but is Lewis Hamilton done? That's what I wanted to ask the boys because obviously Verstappen and Red Bull, they're, they're going well this year, but Lewis is starting to make mistakes he doesn't usually make. Correct. I, I yes. I, I'm not, done, no, because he's still in a very competitive car, but rattled. Very, very much so rattled. He, he, he's on edge, as you said, making mistakes last night in qualifying. Ran wide on the, the last lap where he was trying to pit Verstappen for pole. Um, yeah, obviously a few weeks in Azerbaijan, he went off. Um, yeah, so I, I definitely think he's rattled. But I think it's also the car's not as good anymore, so he's not as good. Um, and therefore he's probably potentially pushing harder than what he has previously because previously he could just canter and, and get through for the victory. Uh, so it's a bit bit more competition this time. He's sitting second and has the same amount of wins as Verstappen. So let's not 
Let's not cast him out uh, into <laughs> into the cold just yet, fellas. That's why I said rattled. Well, not, can he, not can, done. He, can, can he win it this year? That's the main thing. He can still win it. Absolutely. Yeah, it just takes take, if, if say Verstappen doesn't finish tonight and Lewis wins, he's back twenty points in front. Something like that. so. It's still very tight, but I just don't think he, he hasn't had this type of competition since uh, Rosberg was his partner, and obviously Rosberg won. I think it was twenty sixteen, won the world championship, and then he retired. But and that, good, that good for the sport. Yeah, exactly. And that season as well, when Rosberg won, Hamilton was rattled. He wasn't his usual calm, cool, collected self um, and sort of, yeah, did, didn't quite get over the line either. So it's a, an interesting one, that's for sure. Mentally, it would take a lot for you to stay at the absolute top of your game for that long. Oh, definitely. Right? Like what else does he have to prove in the sport? You know, so... It's an ama- it's amazing that he's got this far, but yeah, as I said, I would definitely wouldn't count him out. Yeah, I think I think he's got most polls, most victories, and and equal with Schumacher, Michael Schumacher for most um, world championships. So, and obviously the polls and the victories is slightly weighted because they they have a lot more races this at this point in time when Schumacher was racing, um, but still, he's obviously an all time great. Yeah, um, well, I mean, proof win the pudding tonight. 11 p.m. I think the uh, the race is tonight. It is so. in Austria. They're calling it the Styrian Grand Prix because um, they're also racing around the same track next week, and they're going to call that the Austrian Grand Prix. Just mm. a little bit of trivia knowledge for everyone. Is that right, Cheese? It is. Did you, did you know that off the top of your head, or I did, Boz. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what about anything, anyone else around the grounds, boys? What else? Look, one really uh, last quick one for me. I thought was a really heartwarming story that I saw today. Unfortunately, we lost uh, lost Chumpy Pullen last year, twelve months ago. Um, to he, uh, his life was taken in a diving accident in Queensland, I believe. He's a um, absolute superstar snowboarder for Australia, one of our best Winter Olympians of all time. Um, him and his partner were trying IVF uh, treatment at the time, and she's kept on going with the IVF treatment post him passing away, and has just announced literally today that she's having a, a baby with his, which is his child, which uh, is that's huge, yeah, that's which so is pretty good. awesome. So his his legacy lives on, and I just thought that was a really uh, pretty awesome story. Yeah, definitely one who uh, gone too soon, that's for sure. Mm. Like that, like that. Now AFL, it's big. Big couple of games in the AFL. How you, how you feeling, I'll Boz? Start, I'll start How you off. feeling, mate? Come on. I've written down a couple of points here, which saddens me to say. We'll, we'll give you five minutes about the ticks. <laughs> Five-minute block. Let it out. The three-peats over. <laughs> is it, so is it a dynasty or not? The rain is over. I've always said to the boys that it's only a dynasty if you can three-peat. And three and four years... Three, sorry, three and four years just isn't going to cut it if we want to be compared Especially to when last year's was a real Mickey Mouse yeah, type nothing. tournament. And yeah. the year before you played GWS, like, come on. Okay, I'll just ignore both of those so comments. But I think Richmond should consider a full rebuild. <laughs> consider Hardwick to go and some of our big players to be gone. You can't consider Hardwick to I think to Jack, go. Jack based on based on what think, would you get rid of Hardwick for? Jack Rewalt should be gone. He's just signed a Trent new contract Cotchen last should week. Should be gone and we move on. Jeez, have you ever seen a bigger toys out of the cot <laughs> moment from a bloke after a loss? Jack Rewalt, Trent Cotchen, Basher Hooley, Explain, and a couple of Sam, Samson's played one game. He debuted on the week on Friday night. Get rid of didn't him. touch a ga- didn't touch the ball. Gone. Get tell him out. Tell us why, Boz. Tell, well, tell when us you can't touch... I no, no. Tell us why you're getting rid of the you know stalwarts of your team, You know your triple premiership players. Okay. Uh, in all honesty, I actually 
truly believe that we should consider getting rid of these guys for a couple of reasons. If you think of perennial like clubs in history, not AFL, but clubs, like i.e. the Patriots, those type of people who are always contending for the championships, they just have a knack of moving players along for the most value at the right time. So Jack, yes, I can see that he signed a one-year contract and he's going to be playing for us next year, but is that the right decision? Not sure. To, but in, in my opinion, Jack, you would be lucky to none get... None of them have any value. Exactly. You'd be yeah. lucky to get a fourth-round pick for Jack. He's 33, 34. Yeah, but he could go to a club like Gold Coast or someone and we could get some sort of value for him. But if we allow him to keep you playing... You get we'll zero get value for Jack Rewald. You get a fourth-round draft pick, it's a salary dump. C- correct. The only, the, only, the only clubs who would want him as well... Gold Coast wouldn't want him, I don't think, because he's he's not they the might. right pro. They, I'm not saying they wouldn't, but a club who's on the verge potentially of winning a grand final would maybe potentially want someone like a Jack Rewalt. Yes. Gold Coast is so far from it. Jack Rewalt for a season to get in, get in the way of Ben King brings nothing to their club. No, well, it's not about... It's not always about performance on field sheets. It's about what they can bring to the locker room as well. Think about what Gold Coast lack, and that's... Leadership. leadership. Yeah, but you, you, the underlying point here, Boz, is that you're getting no return for him. You're getting a fourth-round draft and pick at best. he's currently fourth in the Coleman medal this year. So. But he's so 33, <laughs> 33 years old, mate. So, so what if you're talking about trying to get new talent in the door, you need to give up value, which is looking like letting Shy Bolton leave his and go to somewhere, one of the WA clubs, and picking up a first-round draft pick in return or... Two yeah, first rounders, if you can, you can. But look at the players that have that gone out. in the past. Hodge, he got no, we got nothing for him. He retired, and then we got zero. Okay. Mitchell, Sam Mitchell, we got like pick four thousand and three. <laughs> Jordan Lewis, we got no picks. Like you really need not, to do your research. You're here, not Buzz. gonna no, get that's anything just, for if him. I'm running Richmond now. This is what <laughs> I'm doing because, okay, I, let's say I can see what purpose is if it serving? I if what I purpose is if I concede that you guys are right. In a year's time, he'll be worth less. What purpose is it serving getting rid of your good players? Just get rid of the contracts, get rid of the money, get some sort of value for them, and let's re-go. Let's reload. Reload. Re- reload looks like getting up to the top ends of the draft to, to have access to blue chip talent. No, 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 no. no. How many times You've have I said... You've actually got two first rounders this year as well. So how many times no have I said as well, your mid-tier players are nowhere near as good as what you think they are. And this is not a Richmond thing. This was a Hawthorne thing as well. You think they're... I thought I was getting five minutes on Richmond here, Cheese, not Hawthorne. I'm, I'm saying, I'm just trying to not pointing the finger all at Richmond. I'm just saying, your mid-tier players, it's it's across the board, aren't as good as what people think they are. If you, you think you can walk into your mid-tier players being your top echelon players, they're not superstars. They're not elite. They are good and they're better than what you think they are because they play with elite players. You can't rely on them to win you a flag. So, you know so, what? You need, so what Josh was saying, you need top-end talent to come in and replace the top-end talent. Rounding it out, this is what's going to happen. You've got to play some of your kids that have, like your Nashers who had 30 and kicked two in the VFL today or yesterday, they can't get a game, right? The, the, that's how you start to regenerate your list. But for mine, I've just noted down the time, 3.38 on Sunday, the 27th of June, I cannot wait for in four weeks to ask Liam again how he thinks about the current list and Richmond's position when they win the next four, because they got the easiest run home of any team in the AFL, and he's going to be back on the tick train, thinking that they can make top four but and win the grand final, <laughs> and all this conversation is going to be so far forgotten for him. But St Kilda were one of those easy games. We kicked twenty-two points. 
for two goals. Low, lowest score in Richmond. We had more free kicks than points. But they're, they're your bogey side. They've they've traditionally done. We've very been well by eighty six points earlier in the year. I think two or three years ago they thumped you by a hundred points and you won the grand final. That's true. That is Low, true. Lowest score in Dimmer's tenure. And, and don't get me wrong, Bob. Obviously, if, ever, if the listeners want to go back to Pod One, I said Dimmer wouldn't last six months of his new deal. So I'm by the sounds of it, I'm not far off. Well, there's hey, only you one. Got, you got Gold Coast. You got Gold Coast and Collingwood in the next two weeks. Look, the only other point I had, and this is not a Richmond thing, this is just a general AFL thing, is one thing. I read that Cripps took a discount for the new deal that yes. he did. And the question I've got for you, Josh, which is an avid Carlton supporter, when he's retired, are Carlton going to pay his bills? Because <laughs> to, take, to take a discount on your deal is ludicrous in this day and age. Why? Players do it all the time. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't think they should. Why not? Because when they retire, Carlton aren't going to knock on the door and pay their electricity bill. They need to make as much money as they can in their prime. Yeah, but you, 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 you're not seeing the fact that they all don't necessarily care about that extra two hundred grand over their course of their life. Boz, they care about trying to build uh, and help the club be successful and attract players and talent because all he's done is lose. He's got probably a winning percentage of about 25% across the course of his career. He just wants to win. So, so if he hogs he all the money, yeah. if he hogs all, no, because he loves the club. But if he wants to hog all the money, and then Carlton can't continue to attract trade and free agency and so forth, then he's only shooting himself in the foot. Because bottom line, he wanted to stay at the football club. He's a great Carlton person, and absolutely Carlton will look after him once his career is finished. Hey. He'll have some form of ambassadorial role if he wants to go into the coaching ranks. He can there only if he succeeds. Should we? Um, There'll be, some, there'll be something going on, but he's only taken a 50 grand a year haircut, 100 grand a year haircut max, which is not a lot over the scheme of things, for Carlton to commit to him for six years because that's a bloody risk for Carlton, right? The guy's body's declining, which is clear for everyone to see. He's got a contract till he's 32. So there's risk from both sides here. I said to Joshua yesterday... But bloody hell, how good is it? <laughs> I said to Joshua yesterday, Cripps. like, I, I think he'll be the type of midfielder. Don't worry, I think he's a star. I think he's an absolute gun right now. But I think he'll be the type of midfielder that when the cliff comes, it's coming quick. What's Jack Zebel like? There's not going to be any Half slow deterioration. It's going to be a. No, but I disagree. And the, the, reason why, the reason why, Cheese, is it because he's a 195 centimetre midfielder. Yeah. He's, he's got some natural talent forward. He's. Goal-kicking needs some work. If you can clean that up, there is a viable chance for him to finish his career as a forward. Yeah, fair point. I guess, obviously, Boz says he's taken a haircut. We do have a uh, financial advisor in in the studio. So, Lynch, do you have any um, tips or pointers or advice? Obviously, do your own research as well. But anything that maybe Cripper could bring back this 50K that he's missing a year? Nothing for me. <laughs> <laughs> what a stupid I think question a that was. Fair, fair deal by the sound of it. Six yeah, years is fair is, for all. Happy. That's, a a, that, that's the sort of thing you want to see from oh, your a, star players. It's a great deal for Carlton. Yeah. It's a great deal for Carlton. It is, yeah. And apparently it's, you know, it's, it means that there's some room in the salary cap. The way that they've structured it, whether it be front-ended now, back in the future or whatever, mm. it's a very, very Carlton-friendly deal is what I've heard through the grapevine. So happy to have the big number nine to commit for, for six years. I've also been told that number 18, S. Walsh, mm-hmm. is close-ish to an extension. So by then we've basically wrapped up all of our good players. There's not many of them. But we've wrapped up all <laughs> of our good players. players. 
total play payments becomes clear, and then we can start attacking free agency and trade. Did you having your attack free agency the last <laughs> yeah, three seasons? Continuing to do that. Yeah. Might have to ask Zach Williams to take a thirty percent haircut <laughs> on his current deal. What happened? Uh, I heard some comments about his fitness, old Zachy boy. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. That was the knock on him, but he, he's just obviously hasn't come with the right mindset that it. You know, he, he wants to be a midfielder, but he just seems like potentially he's doesn't want to put in the work to get there. Um, the only other thing I, in, in fairness to him, he's had a very, very interrupted season with injury so mm. far. So it means that you can't get continuity in your training, which would make it hard to, you know, for someone who already doesn't have the tank to build a tank. So mm. I'd love to see him do a full preseason and actually see what he's capable of. But at the moment, I was a massive advocate of the deal. Thought he would be awesome after watching some of his stints in midfield for the GWS. And, um, Eating a little bit of humble pie at the moment. What about um, Matthew Lloyd saying they should drop Doherty? I've been on that bandwagon for weeks. Like, and it's a lot of it's coming out now about, you know, um, Dermot Burton was in the media this week saying he's a chronic fumbler. He fumbles all the time. And he, I feel like he's losing a spot in the team because he can't defend or hasn't been good at defending. And then he's not a natural wingman. And then you've got this $800,000 player that you're trying to play into form. So he takes Doherty's spot on the halfback. He's probably a tal- more talented halfback than Doherty. He's losing his spot in the side. I don't know where you place him. Do you, do you think maybe yourself or the wider Carlton public or even the coaches were t- thought too highly of Doherty coming back from two – was it two near Ecos? I, I know he was good before that. I'm not debating he that. He was very But were, were they thinking, oh, well, this guy, he'll just slot straight back in. He'll be a superstar. Like, don't worry about it. But they they maybe thought too much of him. No, uh, well, he, he shows incredible leadership. They talk about his him almost being another coach during the time when he was injured. He almost turned himself into an assistant coach, and that's why he's so highly regarded within the club and as a captain because his leadership qualities are really good. But he just hasn't been able to build the confidence because the ability is there. Like, he didn't fumble when he was an All-Australian, you know, mm-hmm. and, he, and he hasn't lost any – he's still the same athletic um, Sam Doherty that he was. It's purely confidence. Confidence and system because some players play well in certain systems and are not very good in others when they're asked, particularly Carlton's, when they're asked to defend one-on-one a lot. That's not a strength of his. He's very good under Brendan Bolton when he was a zonal defender. But enough about the Blues. <laughs> One question from mine, and a little bit to back back on the back on the Tigers. But why hasn't there been enough heat to date on the Tigers? They've been hovering around that eighth, ninth, seventh mark all year. They've only beaten. I had a look before. They've only beaten one side in the top eight, and that's the Bulldogs. You know, I think the thing. Why hasn't there been more heat and, on them? And even that Bulldogs game, they were. Their pants were pulled down in the first half. Yes, albeit they dominated the second half, but it wasn't like a full, proper Richmond performance. Yeah, I think the simple answer for that is that in our premiership years, we've started similar and we've been able to overcome it, which now it's becoming an issue, which I think you'll see the the blowtorch on us. I mm. think every game we lose from now on, I think it'll be highlighted. But yeah. I think prior to that, it's just more the fact that, hey, you know, they started four and four, they started five and five, they started three and five or whatever it was in their premiership years, so they'll just do it again. Yeah. yeah. But Speaking of um, blow torches and being able to work through them, obviously there was a lot of heat on North Melbourne and Hawthorne across the year as to where the state of their lists are at and Collingwood as well. And all three sides are starting to play some football that, you know, you could classify as AFL standard, <laughs> right? Previously, North Melbourne was sort of no better than an AFL premier 
Premier Division side, essentially. But they've been, to their credit, they've been good for the last few weeks. Wow. So it's building a list. The Hawks have just had a win, right? Yeah. Building a list. But question for me, I want to ask the three of you. Rank from one to three, one being the list you most want from Hawthorne, Collingwood, and North Melbourne. Sorry, Hawthorne, Collingwood, and North Melbourne. Boz? Can I go first? Yeah. The least? So you, the one being the, the list that you would most want to coach. Okay, so I'll start, most have. I'll start with the worst one. Yeah, so three. Hawthorne. Hawks. Yeah. Yep. Collingwood. Yeah. North Melbourne. You'd rather have North Melbourne's list after all of Oh, yep. wow. Hasn't he changed his tune? I'm not mm. saying they're good. Wouldn't win I'm a game. Saying, I, think I think their list has is, is got more upside than the other two. I think the only thing you have to take in advan- into consideration with North Melbourne is that regardless of where their list's at, they can't attract players because, you know, they've got about five supporters. So Yeah. But I think with their... It makes it hard for them to build through trade and free agency. I think name, names on paper, though, I think... Look, it's a toss-up between North and, Can- and Collingwood, but Hawthorne's definitely the worst. But I think I would prefer Kangaroos. Ro- roll me through a few names. Uh, cheese, give us from, from North Melbourne. Give us your three, two, one, I just want to hear Boz's... I like uh, Larky. I like uh, Larky up forward. Yeah. I like uh, obviously their old their old boys still running around. Cunnington, you know all the blokes. I see that they should fuck off. Um, that's, that's not the question, mate, because they're not going to be here. Um, who's that guy? Uh, number forty. Is it forty four? They're like Zerha. Zerha. He's good. He's good. Ben Mackay. Bailey, Bailey Scott. I think is another one. Yeah. Yeah, I like him. Ben Mackay. Yeah. Ben Mackay. So he's good. Yeah. I mean, Collingwood got a few good ones as well. Like, I mean, obviously their stars are stars, but I just that's just my opinion. Chase. I don't disagree. I think the Hawks are in the worst spot currently because we've got Will Day was a first-round pick last year who looks like he could be a decent player. And we had our first-round pick from, sorry, yeah, the last draft, uh, Denver Granger-Barras, played today. I think it was pick six. Uh, I didn't see the whole game, but he looked decent. He looked composed, looked like he had a bit. Uh, but we've got no other... Real good young talent. The CJ, he, I think he's 21. I he, love he, CJ. he looks good. Needs to sort of get his composure together and then he'll be a lot better. Um, but we don't have any top line okay. early draft picks. All right. So but, but also Hawks well, in the bin. But Who's also as well, I would I would back in. I would back in. We just want a one, two, three cheese. Okay. Yeah. Hawks, okay. Hawks, <laughs> North, Collingwood. Yeah, okay. Okay, cool. Collingwood got some good young players. And, and they got. Nick Dacos coming in next year as well, who yeah. just looks like True. an absolute superstar. Lynch? North Melbourne, number one. Collingwood and Hawks. Yes, Lynch. But that's purely just because of where they're at yeah, in time frame. So, yeah. So, North so Hawks along. stink, basically. Yeah, but I think if we if we <laughs> stick – and I, I know I, I've potted Alistair Clarkson a few times on this show. Um, more – not because I don't think he's any good, he's great, but more because I, 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 I want to see to the future and see Sam Mitchell come in. But I think, although we've only had the two top first-round draft picks, as I mentioned, <coughs> having Clarkson, if he's still there, will put, in my opinion, put us above those other two because he's an elite coach, an elite developer of players. Yeah, by rights, <coughs> you shouldn't have won a game this year. The list is so bad. No, I agree with that. Right? And he's eked out four wins, including today against GWS, which is a monster win, yeah. considering how well they're going. Good for the Tigers too. You would never in your life should you be wishing away Alistair Clarkson. Because he's the best coach by the length of the Flemington Strait. I think Sam Mitchell's already gone. Going, but is 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 Clarkson now going to cost us the second draft pick again? Oh, whether it's one, two, three, four, five, doesn't matter, mate. 
really it doesn't it doesn't well, when was Sam Petreski Seaton drafted? What Who's the top draft pick for next year? Nick Dacos, and he's already Scott, going to come. Scott Gumbleton was taken at number two. How was his career going? Lynch, oh, Richard Tambling. How did his career go? <laughs> Trash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> name, name a few for Richard Richmond. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Please. Who did they go before Pavlich? Um, I don't know. It would have been someone trash. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron Fiora. I know it was yeah. Aaron Fiora. Fiora yeah. Jesus, that's a bad one. Um, sort of straying a little bit sideways here. Mine was having to dig at another superstar of the game as well, who I think's I don't know if he's up to it or don't think he's at the level he was, and that's Patrick Dangerfield. You're about to say Patrick Cripps again. No, Patrick Dangerfield. I appreciate, yes, he's he was. He's been injured most of the year. I appreciate he was suspended for a dog act. Uh, injured for a few weeks as well. He's, I think, he's, I think he's been back for at least minimum three, maybe even four games now, and he just hasn't looked like himself. And, and albeit, I still, I, th- I think he got over twenty touches on Thursday night or Friday night, whenever it was. I think two or three out in the full, three or four missed target. I know he's never been a great kick, but he just doesn't have, doesn't look like to have the same explosion and the same influence on games. And yeah, you would give him a leeway if it's first game back after a long layoff, second game back after a long layoff. Okay, I get that. But when you're three and four games back in and you're meant to be creme de la creme, top three players in the comp. So you're putting a line through Dangerfield. Get rid of him. Send him, up, send him up to the Gold Coast with uh, Jack Rewald. You're kidding. No, I, I, I don't think he's... I don't <laughs> he's the king of the poor takes at the moment. You're that is a me. stinker. So you wouldn't have him at Hawthorne? No. <laughs> but you you hate you hate you hate Geelong, so that's the reason why. But you also last week, mate. I actually think the fact that that he isn't um, performing to his usual standards, but they're still playing really well, is a good thing. They got smoked sh- on Thursday night. Yeah, but you know Brisbane are obviously in a red hot vein of form at the moment. They lost the week before, but before that, Geelong were going very very well, yeah. right? And he's able to play his role and execute on that, and others around him are playing well. That's all that he would care about at the moment, mate. He just wants to play. He, before last year, he'd never played in a grand final before, I don't think. Or never won a grand final or something in his entire football career, juniors, everything. Right? So the guy just wants success. And he's now, what is he, 30 or something like that? He's no, never going to be the same player forever. I don't, right? think, I don't think you're going to be able to talk sense in a cheese, Joshua. I'm not saying, once again, he's not done. He's just rattled like Lewis Hamilton is. It's just not the player he was, but he's still – you saying he wants to play a role. I don't think he does. The way you, you look at him, he still wants to be the macho man who puffs his chest out and, and is the big fella macho on the team. Man. And he's not – to me, he's, he's not – I could be I could be wrong. In two weeks' time when he's had four or five, six games under his belt, he's back flying potentially. But I just – after four games back, I don't see it. Maybe okay. we just keep an eye on Dangerfield yeah, stats we'll come weeks. Yeah. And then Highlight. He might be my legend of the week yeah. this week now. <laughs> the Lynch, yeah. Lynch, what about you, mate? Anything from you? Just just thought I'd stand up for some of my fellow Essendon supporters. I thought the boys might have been a little bit harsh last week. Okay. Um, I think they've been competitive against some good sides, but obviously they're, they're well short for the year. Um, and I missed the game last night, but was absolutely praying they would have got over the line coming into this podcast <laughs> with you guys this week. And, uh, and, and I was saying before the show that uh, there's a bit of talk about the umpires' decisions as there's been a lot throughout the year. I just think you, you can't sort of lean on that. You know, there was a lot of missed opportunities on both sides and it fell, fell Melbourne's way. So you, but you it was pleasing to see they were competitive. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, I just don't think you can, you can lean on the umpires for, for conversion that should have 
are you buying into the Jake Stringer hype or is it a flash in the pan? Look, I think he's he's an unbelievable player to watch, regardless of who you follow. He's just he's just exciting to watch, strong, you know, the goalie kicked last night out of the middle, dashing on the run. He, he's great to watch. Hype's real. He he's the closest thing to Dusty, I think, in he, the AFL. He's just not he's consistent. It, and it's not consistent in game and it's not consistent week on week. So there's a stat going around about Essendon's success rate from centre clearances to scoring when Jake Stringer is in there, and it's, like, through the roof. So his value to getting scores for his team is really, really high. So whilst he's not Tom Mitchell where he's going around accumulating all day long, right, the impact that Jake Stringer has for his touches is huge. I'm a massive Stringer (laughs) fan. He's a di- he's a dirty dog as a bloke, but he's a <laughs> shit tattoo as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But he's a, he's a superstar player. So honestly, like, I can't believe I'm reading stories about Don's don't want to pay him, and he wants you know he wants this amount of money and stuff. Just pay the man because he's he's the bo- he's the Don's best player, mate. His comment of going, I've got three kids at home. I need as much as I can get, mate. There's millions of families out there with three kids oh, that geez. are earning less than seven hundred grand a year. That's exactly you, the you point. will survive. Exactly the point I made about Cribs. Make your money when you can make it. Don't don't try and be a hero for your team. You make as much as possible yeah. because Just when you're when you're forty, you'll be you'll be done with that. And I guess as well, he's not the type of bloke. Well, in my opinion, that after football's done, he'll be walking straight into a media role or any type of uh, high level CEO type role. He'll be uh, scraping the barrel. I think. Well, you would have thought that about Adam, Adam Cooney as well. Uh, <laughs> it's not, He's no oil painting, but he's made it a nice little media career true, true. for Speak. himself. But um, how did just quickly Lynch? How did Nick Cox go last night? Not great. <laughs> speaking, speaking of last night's game, obviously the D's got the win. They are top of the ladder. I still just I'm not afraid of their forward line. No. Spargo, Sparrow, Fritz. Caro, McDonald, I don't know. McDonald, yeah, I don't, I don't mind Fritz. He obviously made him all the time on the team. But they just don't scare me. And I don't think they... Fritsch, I Fritsch. think. Yeah. Yeah. He, won, he kicked one goal last yeah. night. They, they Fritz is Joseph Fritzel. Different, <laughs> <laughs> different person altogether. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. But what's the answer? Like, they're not going to bring Ben Brown in. No, I'm just, but I'm just saying they just... My point oh. is, my point is, obviously, defensively, incredible. No one, like... No one can kick a score against them. They've got their two mainstays down there, Lever and May, who mark anything that comes in high. So it's the oppositions can't score against them. So therefore, their forward line getting by is working for them, which is fine. But I just, I don't know, there's something that sends shivers down my spine that in a big game, I just can't see their forward line standing up and kicking a winning goal. And so if their back line has a, a day off, and they get a hold, the opposition gets a hold of their back line. I don't know. I just can't. But I think they're highly reliant on their midfield kicking goals. So I think that your point about their forwards is right. But I think when Clayton Oliver and Petrarca chip in with three or four goals a game, yeah, I think it helps. Fine. And just for your own clarity as well, Cheese, they're the third highest scoring team in the comp. <laughs> I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, I just the name. So I their forward line is, you know, really, really. Um, you know, below par. This is going to get a run at Yarra Valley on Tuesday night, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it, is, it is. All right, let's move on. We've got yeah. a huge bet from Boz this week that I need to tell you. You want to explain about. a little bit about this new segment that we're introducing? New segment we're going to bring. We're going to bring to the table either a bet or a multi of the week. 
for the listeners to play along with. Now I've got a big one this week, and Boz is going to put $100 on this. Is, let, it, is it just for England to get beaten tonight? Because that's, that's let me short explain. <laughs> so we've got we're going to talk about this later, but we've got Wimbledon starting. Yes, we do. Now this guy, and we're talking value here too. We're not just going to go with the favors. We're talking something that we've done a bit of research about and a little bit of value for the listeners. Now I'm going to go and put a hundred dollars on Roger Federer to win the whole tournament, and let me tell you why. Number one, he's his bracket that he's in. Is very good. The only blokes he's got to beat, uh, Medvedev mm-hmm. and Zerev, which both decent players, but beatable. They're not the big. They're not part of the big four. Those guys. So he's on a really good bracket. Good draw for Roger. Now he withdrew from a pretty promising French Open. He he'd won a few matches in that, so his prep's been fairly good. So he withdrew from that to prepare for Wimbledon. So I think he's really ripe. For this tournament. So at $13, where it's currently paying for him to win the tournament, Bowles is putting $100 on that. Hopefully he can bring it home for the boys, but that's the bet for this week. Comments, thoughts? Yeah, I don't mind it, Bowles. I, I, see, I see where you've gone with that. Obviously, he's rested. He's primed. This, this is his potentially his on-call. Uh, is that the right word? No, his final fling at Wimbledon. Um, so he's going to be all in on, on trying to get the chocolates. Um, is it a stretch too far? I'm not sure, but God, I'm praying. I'm praying that this bet gets up because if you're winning thirteen hundred, it's your shout for a couple. Of and weeks. it's a value bet too, right? It's going to be a tough task for him to beat, you know, the likes of Djokovic and those type of players, considering Djokovic's record on grass. But it's value as well for the boys. I don't think he can get over the Joker. I'm hoping someone takes care of the Joker on the other side of the bracket <laughs> before he gets there. Can't see it happening. The man is a machine at the moment. He could be a robot. Yeah. yeah well, as always, though, to the listeners, please gamble responsibly. No way. <laughs> Chase your losses. Get on the bets. Jeez, we're not that sort of show. <laughs> we're not a regulated show, well, Chase. Well, speaking of bets, um, <laughs> jo- Josh and I uh, had a win in the quaddy yesterday. Mm. However, the bikes have been on fire. However, oh. we, we lost $44. <laughs> For a $60 outlay, we won $16. Yeah, and then we, then we chased, chased our tail with Willie Pike in the last in WA and uh, came second, didn't get the chocolates. I told, I told Cheese not to go there. They're you, crooks you in said, WA. let's do it. They're crooks in WA. He, he, he had a bad run. He had got out a bit earlier. He would have been all right. So I think the listeners should follow balls on this and the boys in the room should follow, but understand if you don't. 100 bones on Rog. Let's bring it home. Done. Bring it home. Talking about... Across the pond, sports, Euro segment, huge segment this week. This is why we've got the man in, in the room, Lynch, yep. but cheese. Yeah, just going to quickly roll through uh, a couple other sports first. I'll just start with tennis. Obviously, we've already discussed it. Wimbledon uh, starts tomorrow night, uh, which is hadn't been played. wasn't played last year due to COVID, so it's been a two-year uh, gap. Uh, had had a gap year, Wimbledon did. So it'd be good to see see the players back out on the grass. And for me, it's obviously Lynch and I lived in London, love London. But to me, it's the number one Grand Slam. I think that's to a lot of people as well. It's just there's nothing nothing better than that beautiful lush green grass on day one. Um, the whole feel about it, the strawberries and cream and Henman Hill and all this sort of stuff. Chinos, it's, Chinos. It's yeah, just a glorious place. So it's hard to play on grass. Have you ever played in a real grass court before? Hard. Very yeah. difficult. Very difficult. 
This is not. This is not good for our uh, Thursday night tennis team. The no, two, the, the, the seed one and two, are saying they can't play. <laughs> Very difficult. Anyway, sorry. Come on. Um, yes, as you alluded to, Boz, it's uh, Rogers potentially Rogers' last hurrah um, at Wimbledon, and potentially who knows at any tournament. Because I, I, I get the feeling if he does win, and hopefully he does, that he might just hang the racket up immediately. Uh, go out on a, a serious high. The guy's 39 or almost 40, so he's done it all, doesn't need to do any more. Um, so, yeah, best of luck to him. Um, however, obviously, as, as Joshua alluded to, uh, the one that we anointed a couple of weeks uh, as the best of all time, Joker, is going to be extremely tough to beat, or obviously potentially a few of those those younger crew or the younger breed, uh, Bass. Uh, even Zerev, I think so you say his name's not yes. bad. Yep. So there's a few of them floating around. So it'd be a must watch. Um, well Rafa. He's, he's 72 and 10 on grass currently, Djokovic. 72 That's and his 10. record. It's not bad. <laughs> yeah. Not bad. Unbelievable. Um, uh, Rafa ha- has pulled out, um, citing, not sure what issues, but just citing issues. Um, so he's, he's not there. So that's one less for Rog to have to go through to get the victory. But, yeah, obviously a shame Rafa won't be there if it is to be Roger's um, last Wimbledon. On the uh, the ladies' side, we've obviously got our girl, Ash Barty. Uh, I think she's still number one in the world, if yeah. not one, one or two. Surely she should be up there in, in the favouritisms uh, and getting, getting around it. Um, obviously Serena is always there thereabouts. Once again, she's sort of like Roger, uh, a bit older, but she's always uh, ha- handy on the, on the grass. Uh, and just, I thought you said he didn't have any notes for this segment. I don't. He's off the cuff here. Yeah, just wheeling it off. Oh, Jesus. Uh, and then uh, news we... I think we the listeners know who Serena Williams is, Cheese. News <laughs> Get to the juicy stuff. Get to the juicy stuff. <laughs> Serena should do good. <laughs> Naomi... She's getting a bit older. <laughs> Naomi Osaka is not playing. Gotcha. Still not happy with the media? Potentially, yes. Strike. Yes, okay, still on well. strike. So that that's the big news that I wanted to roll through there. Oh, thanks, Cheese. You Joshua? got there finally. <laughs> Can I ask Cheese? I didn't want to bring it up, but Kyrgios is a new doubles partner. Have you seen that? I haven't, no. Please enlighten me. Venus Williams. Ooh. He's partnering up with Venus Williams. So a bit of controversy around that. Not sure exactly why. Um Venus 41, I believe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Still going around, Venus. Unranked Still going as around. well. Unranked. Uh, partnering up with Curious, so maybe something for the listeners to keep an eye on there. Do you think the, the women doubles. and the level allow colour for the I don't the mind it. I like the, I like the white. Mm, okay. I think it's, it's just it's something about it. English people are very traditional, so that's why they'll never change. I mean, I don't mind it as well. I'm not sure Rafa with the sleeveless and stuff like that. I'd like to see him wear something you know, a little bit more moderate. I like the tank, though. The tank? Big left hand, big left arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair. <laughs> Skip, skips right arm day oh, in the gym. He's just hitting his top spin on the left. Yeah, and then as Boz alluded to earlier, we've got the F1s tonight uh, in Austria. Uh, Max gotcha. on pole, Danny Rick stinking it up again. Yeah, starting from 13. So wish him luck, but pull your finger out, Danny Rick. Um, and as as we said. The, good, the big news. The reason we're here, Lynch, the cycling star. Please enlighten the listeners on Le Tour de France. Loads to talk about. We have just had the first stage last night, our time, um, of the tour, which was just yeah, a lot of drama already. So um, we've seen uh, Julien Alaphilippe, a Frenchman who's very exciting to watch, come away with the stage win for the first stage. So He's a world champion, isn't he? World champion, yeah, really exciting to watch on sort of punchy, 
you know, uh, uphill sort of climbs and, um, yeah, there's talk that he may be able to hang on to to the yellow jersey for the next sort of week or so. Uh, Boz, you wanted me just to, just to give a bit of background on the jersey setup. So yellow jersey, um, the rider leading the general classification or the GC retains that jersey, the cumulative uh, best time throughout the race. Uh, so that's what they're all all after. Yep. And then we've got the the sprinters going for the green jersey, and then there's a king of the mountains, which is like a red polka dot on white jersey. It's very nice. It's a lovely looking jersey, that one. And then a white jersey, which is more for the younger sort of uh, more aggressive riders, which which sort of falls a little bit. Is our boy Caleb a chance for the green? Uh, look, he's up there. I, I think he'll win definitely win a few stages. So. Caleb Ewan obviously had a bit of success in the Giro recently. He's going to definitely go for a couple of stages in the Tour and uh, I think he's going to try and get a couple of stages in the Spanish um, big ride, the the Vuelta, but I don't think he'll get the the green jersey. I think they'll be taken by someone else. So how long can Julian stay in the yellow, Lynch? Tell the people. Well, the way the first week's sort of shaping up, there's another similar sort of um, stage tonight which has got a bit of lumpiness to it. They're going to test the riders with a bit of an uphill finish, so there's there's every chance he could yeah claim it for the next week. But my guess is that he's not gonna not gonna last until the end. But he's just one of those guys that is a bit of a bit of a showman, and every now and then he'll just put his foot down and see see what he can do to shake things up and and attack um, up certain climbs. So have we got yeah, the Alpe d'Huez? No Alpe d'Huez this year. Oof. But isn't isn't one of the stages <laughs> Mont, isn't Mont Ventoux oh, yes, going Mont twice Ventoux. in the one stage? Yeah, up so one way, back up the other way. Yeah, really. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so that's a that's the hurt locker if you ever heard of it. <laughs> Big time. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. So and then what? Finish at the top of the Mont Ventoux. Yes, yeah, so they go over it, do a U turn basically, come back up the other side, I believe, and finish uh, on the pinnacle yeah. up top. There's two sides. There's an easier side, apparently, which they tackle first, I think, and then they descend, which is like a massive sort of 25-kilometre <laughs> descent, and then back up. When you be say a bit uh, akin to your ride up and down Beaconsfield Parade, Chase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they won't be averaging 30, though, that's for sure. Uh, speaking of the easier side, uh, Lynch, um, we obviously did Mount Donabuang, and Chase had his tongue hanging out halfway up. Talked me through Mount Mont Von, Von, uh, Ventoux. This is Donna B. Wang. Is yeah. that what you're saying? <laughs> Talk me through the difference here. I don't. I don't have the stats on the actual. It'd be route. like you riding. It'd be like them riding down Beach Road. I assume so. <laughs> Jeez. But for the listeners, we've got Stage Eleven, which is yeah, double ascent to Mont Ventoux, seventh of July, which is a Wednesday. Um, uh, definitely going to be one to watch. A couple of others just to mark out in your calendars. There's stages eight and nine, which is Saturday the third. So that's sort of the Alpine Alps stages always really nice to watch in terms of scenery and obviously testing the the main guys that are trying to win the race so that's stages eight and nine third and fourth of july um and then a couple of others to mark out stages 17 and 18 so 17 and 18 yeah big big mountain stages number 18 is um the col de tumulet which uh they've done 88 times in this tour uh, it was actually a place i was planning to go and visit in 2019 oh. which didn't come together unfortunately love the tumulet uh, that that'll be definitely be one to watch, um, and and overall we've got twenty one stages, two rest days. There's two time trials, um, and the twentieth stage is is similar to last year as a as a time trial, but probably not going to be as decisive like last year's was, where we saw a big change between the two main guys, who I'd be keen to talk about if I can, Boz. The, Absolutely, the Pog and the Rog. Mm-hmm. Um, 
where uh, where last year we had today Pogacha um, come away with the win. I so think it's pronounced Tajay. Tajay. Tajetch. I'll go with t- today Pogacha <laughs> versus his his countrymen. They're both from Slovenia. Mm-hmm. Um, That's I, I saw that earlier Rovich. today, right? That, it's a bit fishy for mine. Two blokes. From Slovenia of all places, wow. at the pinnacle of the sport. Are you, ooh, hang on, hang on. Hang on. These, these are our guys, by the way. I think that there's a little bit of um, bit of bit of doping going. Got, on they've there, gone through the me. the Russian cycling system. Yeah, absolutely. I think these are our guys. They've they've watched that documentary. What's it called? Icarus. Uh, Icarus. Yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> got some ideas. And they've plotted out <laughs> their ascent to the top of the global cycling sure. rankings. We'll give them the benefit of the doubt, <laughs> uh, Josh. So the jury's uh, out on on the Slovenians. Pog and Rog. Yeah. Yeah, so they're the two to watch. They're they're the most tipped to win. Um, my guess is that Pogacar will go again. Yeah. Um, just to give you a quick stat on that, so he started in 2019, and since he's been in stage races, Ineos Grenadiers, who's sort of the big main team to beat, they haven't won a stage since he's been racing those sorts of rides, the mm. long stage races. So, and he's won seven out of 14, okay, which is pretty impressive. Wow. So, so he's up there. I think it'll be him. Um, Roglic, and then in terms of the Ineos Grenadiers, they've got sort of a full house of unbelievable riders there. You know, a lot of them could could win it. Um, there's Garrett Thomas as well, who I think is going to be their main guy. A lot of people think the Australian Richie Port can can have a go, he's, but he's I, I, coward, don't, I don't think he's going anywhere. <laughs> well, Excuse he, me. He got Sorry, he, he's not going to win the race. He won the Dauphine, Dauphine well, yeah. recently. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's, he's not been signed to do that. He's, he's been signed up he's to protect, protect the others. There's there's Grant Thomas and Richard Carapaz, who are the two main guys. Carapaz being a bit of a dark horse on someone that might go rogue and just have a crack himself, even if the team doesn't necessarily um, allow him to do that. But, yeah, he's certainly one that well, could, why could go I all th- the way. Why I think Tajay should be our boy, whatever his name is. <laughs> is correct me if I'm wrong, but... Last year, or last year he won, obviously, but he won. He was fifty seconds behind coming to the last time trial, right? And smoked him, mate. That's what we like. We like boys with a bit of ticker and a bit of when the pressure cooker comes, he provides us with the it. guy. The guy that he came was it? So it was Rogelik, Roglic. That's who he beat, yeah. Yes. That's what che- what he looked like in the the time trial <laughs> stage twenty last year is what I look like up. Don't want to be wang. I was cooked. He was absolutely fried as a human. So who are we going with? We want, we want one guy. My vote's Pogaccio to go okay. again. That's and our boy. Team UAE. Emirates, that, riding the not sure lovely Colombo bicycles. And, go, and going with them, um, going back to Team Ineos Grenadiers and, and, and Richie Port, um, he was involved in the second crash, I believe, last night. And he, I think he's already lost two and a half minutes or so. So even if he was a... Potentially a chance to become the number one guide in, in EOS Grenadiers if he was riding well. Um, he's too far behind now. Can you, can you explain to us what's going to happen with that second big crash? Are they all going to get similar times, the guys who crashed? or? Yeah, I haven't seen anything confirmed, but they were talking about you know um, allowing some some time bonuses or something for them to even the, even the field because, yeah, it's obviously very unfair when a couple go down and then... The domino effect where there's a yeah. huge peloton and, and loads of them go down. So there I think there's there would have been like fifty of them. Yeah. It was mental. And and a lot of people would have seen on the news there was a lady there holding a sign out uh, onto the course mm. with the full peloton, which is basically covering the road. And um, one of the Yumbo Visma team team riders has just gone straight into the sign, and that was the first big crash from last night, and certainly caused I think Richie Port and a couple of other big ones to to go down. And I think they're all right. They've recovered. Mm. 
but then there was a second big big crash that just looked horrific. Um, That's a stitch up, right? Imagine if you're the favourite for the race and then that happens yeah. and. And, you know, it's on. not it's got nothing but to do with yourself. It's to do with you know a bit of bit of malpractice. I think I think surely from my mind, like that one, I, the the stupid idiot fan who had a sign out in the the road, whoever fell off in that one should get their time back. But the second one was just a, a rider clipped a wheel, fell over, brought everyone down. That that's why they say race at the front. Mm. Don't get caught in that shit. Stay up the front. If you're a big dog, don't don't go backwards because this. Anything can happen when you've got 180 blokes riding in the same patch of road. So for me, play on for the second one, but the first one with the sign, twat. Yeah, crazy. Now, Lynchy, a couple yes-no questions for you just to finish this segment off. Can Jack Haig podium? He can. Okay. Can anyone beat Vanderpool tonight? Wood for not. <laughs> Serious. Vanderpool's that boy. So, yes, yeah, someone can... Can beat him. Okay. He's unbelievable, but yeah. I think Wood, Wood Van Aert, uh, a Belgium guy who's equally as exciting to watch. Another sort of Pog and Rog sort of rivalry there. <laughs> Pog um, and Rog. Yeah, he's he's unbelievable as well. So could could definitely win tonight. All right. Anything else from that segment there, Lynchy boy? Uh, I just wanted to add in, uh, there's there's a, uh, a guy called Mark Cavendish. Yes. Who, um, Love Cav. All-time legend. Has been around for a while. They call him the Manx Missile Cheese. He's from the Isle of Man, and he's made a bit of a comeback for this for this year. So uh, he's won 30 Tour de France stage wins and uh, and 15 Giro. Um, there's another guy, Chris Froome, that also came came back in this year after a horrific crash a couple of years ago, and he was unfortunately involved in I think the second crash last night. So he's not looking good, uh, despite a pretty pretty cool comeback story. Um, yeah, you mentioned Jack Haig. Uh, Michael Matthews is another Australian sprinter that. He came second last night, who's someone to look out for, I think. But Caleb Ewan's going to probably take the cake. And my pick for the, the green is um, Peter Sagan to go again, who okay. I think is just, just too Sagan. polished. Yeah. Surely, yeah. surely that'll be like that'll be a record for greens. He, he must be up at six or seven already. I think, yeah, it's his eight. it'll be his eighth, I think, if he wins that. Oh. So, All right, cheese. going to be excellent. And, and the listeners can obviously follow it on SBS. Sort of kicking off roughly nine no, nine pm. No Phil Liggett though. Which yeah, it's is a bit of a shame. It's tough. What Matt about what Keenan about is is really good to listen to it. I find speaks very well. What about our boy, the chef, the chef Gabrielle? Gabrielle. Oh, I didn't see last night the start. Did he? No, well, I didn't he's see retired, either. Hasn't he? So that's that's a no go. But we'd love to see another Gabby G, Gabrielle Gatte. Yeah, the commentary is just taste the same. Yeah, isn't it's it? falling off a cliff. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now cheese. Quick Euro update, please. What do we got to expect? Euros. Twenty seconds, cheese. You quick got. overnight. Coming home. The Danes beat Wales 4-0, flogged them. Uh, our our boy Mancini got the Italians over the line. First goal they conceded in over a 1,000 minutes, but they won in extra time, 2-1. Tonight, a few more big games, and I think England plays tomorrow night, actually, uh, tomorrow against night. against Germany. They're going um, home. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not, home, it, it's so not coming just, home. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, some, some quality viewing uh, to be had. Obviously, we're Thanks, in the round, the round of 16, then it goes into the quarterfinals, and I've been told to wind it up. Like it, Jess. <laughs> now, this is backed by popular demand. The, the viewers, the listeners, the people around the grounds have wanted this back. Joshy, Barksy's top five. Yep, what do you got for back, us this week? Back for another week after a short hiatus. Um, you know, in the world of sports, um, over the last couple of weeks, there has been some almighty chokes, some poor performances which you wouldn't have thought possible prior, um, in particular from blokes like Bryson DeChambeau, who got a 
quadruple bogey bogey I think on one hole that was is. two hole two hot two shots up and absolutely choked and finished well back at the US Open Ben Simmons refusing just to dunk the ball into the net didn't want to shoot and became a liability for his team he's six foot 11 by the way so I've gone this week with the top five greatest sporting chokes of all time some honorable mentions first off Barcelona in the semi-finals to Liverpool in the Champions League a couple of years ago had a three nil uh, first leg um, lead and then threw that away and Liverpool were four nil uh, win victors back at Anfield I expect get a run in this segment then Second honourable mention uh, was the Seahawks back in 2015, the Super Bowl. Just needed to hand Marshall and Lynch the ball on the line and instead rushed through it and intercepted Malcolm, Malcolm Butler, took the ball away and the Patriots won. I think that Sorry, happens. Lynch. Yep. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> Still too soon. <laughs> but my top five, number five, the All Blacks. We all know the All Blacks in Rugby Union as being uh, the greatest sporting team of all time, most successful. Sporting sporting team of all time. And from the years 1991 to 2007, they were the favourite for every single World Cup there was. And they proceeded to find a new wacky way to get themselves kicked out of the tournament um, and go home early. So for five World Cups straight, the All Blacks went in, went in favourites, went home early. Therefore, that's a massive choke for mine. I think they've won the Laureus Sports Award as like Team of the Year multiple, multiple times. So, yeah. yeah so they just choice. haven't shown up when it's mattered most at the World Cup. Number four, Golden State Warriors in 2016 took a 3-1 lead in the finals against LeBron and the Lakers. Sorry, LeBron and um, Cavs. the Cavs. Uh, they also finished that season with a record 73 wins and nine losses. So they were utterly dominant and they were well on their way to another championship. And then LeBron stepped up, Bron Bron, Boz's boy. Love Bron. And took took the uh, series by the scruff of the neck and and um, the Golden State Warriors wasn't, utterly choked. Wasn't that record that year, the 73-9 or whatever you said it was, that was the best of all time, wasn't it? Because the, the, the Bulls were like 10. That's, losses, yeah. that's typically what a, what a record constitutes. <laughs> I didn't hear you say record, sorry. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> Super busy sipping on my Rover. <laughs> anyway, number in number three position, the greatest Champions League final of all time. AC Milan were up three nil versus Liverpool in in uh, Istanbul, and then Stevie G just decided to put the superhero cape on. Liverpool got it back to three three, and then ended up winning on penalties. But an unbelievable comeback in a half of football. Had the right studs in that night, obviously. Had the right studs in, yeah. <laughs> number two, Greg Norman, the Shark. Love to choke. Yep, back at the uh, back at the Masters, I think it was ninety six or something like that. Mm. Ninety eight. He had a six stroke lead coming into the final round, and ended up losing to Nick Faldo by eleven no, by five strokes. So eleven stroke turnaround for Shark on the on the uh, last eighteen of of the Masters tournament in one of the all time great chokes. He was best golfer in the world, smoking him for the first three days, and then just refused to show up in the last the last day. And then the number one greatest choke of all time, especially in my life, lifetime, is the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons were up 28-3 at halftime to Tom Brady <laughs> and the Patriots and then somehow proceeded to lose that game. So it's the greatest um, Super Bowl deficit uh, that's been overcome of all time, like considerably. I think it was like yep. 16 or 14 points or something like that is the greatest before that. And Tom Brady just turned into absolute the goat that we know he is, 
and brought the boys back and then it went to over it was tied up at 28 all yep. and then it went to overtime Tom Brady got the ball and you knew it was just over and he walked down the field and put the Falcons to the sword so for mine greatest sporting choke of all time and I think the absolute side swipe by Bill and the boys of the Patriots was I think the Patriots Super Bowl ring that year had 283 diamonds in it Signifying the twenty-eight to three comeback victory. Yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> that. You cannot fathom how they threw that lead away. Twenty-eight oh. three. Well, I believe we were at the the Sporting Globe that that fine morning. We were, and, and I was about to go home at halftime. There was a few few tears rolling off. down some faces, and then all of a sudden the mood really picked up. And it's just, to, I mean, the the Falcons had the talent they had, the coaching staff. Like I think Kyle Shanahan was on the, the coaching staff at the time as a coordinator. Like. I agree, Josh. Well done. Mm. Good top five this week. Thank you. Excellent. I like it. Now, the time's come. The boys love the most. Another entrant goes in to the legend factory. Who wants to kick us off? I'll kick us off, Boz. <laughs> He's confident. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I know I don't like going first because, you know, I want to really ram home. Work for you last time. Yeah, connection. It did work for me last time. I'm just... Aren't as happy with my entrant this week. I feel like it's been a short week, the turnaround. I haven't really shown up. But, look, one of the really great stories that, that came through this week was that Ange Postagiacoglu was uh, was officially appointed the manager of Celtic, which is an absolute institution in European football, one of the biggest and most storied football clubs in, in, in Europe, playing in the Scottish Premier League, even though the Scottish Premier League's not uh, to the quality of your Real Madrid's and like. But G. Ange has um, had a long career in football, coaching in Australia in the domestic competition, then stepping up to be the natural, uh, the, the national coach, and then going across to coach in Asia for the last um, the last few years as well. Uh, his, his teams have always been playing very attractive football. Ange plays the game the, the right way and refuses to waver from, from that, that style. He believes the fans should be um, subjected to a spectacle, which I, which I quite like. He's now getting the recognition he deserves managing a massive club like Celtic. I can't wait for him to, to match up against Steven Gerrard and his Rangers team next year. When asked in his introductory press conference about whether he feels like this is going to be a massive step up for him and whether he can handle managing a club like this, he turned around to the reporter and said, I don't get what you mean by the word step up. I've managed a national team and played against the greatest teams in the world. How is this a step up? And absolutely put the put the supporter to the sword, which I loved. And I just think it's a great story um, for the for the Aussie battler, and can't wait for Ange to to, to do his bit. So he's my legend of the week. I lo- love that confidence from him as well, because it would have been very easy to sort of say, "Oh yeah, going from the, the A League to the J League and and to the Celtic is a step up for a team to just sort of bat that one away and say, piss off, mate.'" Um, okay. I, I like that from Ange. Ange, yeah. Cheese, okay. would you like to go next, or you want me to go? I can go next, boss. Uh, I can go next. So mine is. Someone from home. So I haven't gone abroad this week. I've stayed uh, on, on Australian turf, and that is the great Craig Williams, one of the best jockeys of all time, known to man. Um, and the reason I've gone with Craig uh, as the legend to go into the factory this week is he's just absolutely torn the uh, Brisbane Carnival, a new one over the last few weeks. Um, he won the, the last group one of the season, the Tats Tiara, yesterday aboard to Fane, which was his 65th Group 1 of, of his career, which is an outrageous number. Um, 
I think Damien Oliver is leading it. I think he's got over 100, but 65 would be, I would assume, close to top 10 if it's not top 10. Um, over the carnival, he won three Group 2 races and two Group 1 races, basically taking out most of the, the named races uh, throughout the, the three or four weeks it was on. Uh, and also, just a little bit longer than the last week of uh, news, over the past racing season, so generally the racing season goes, I think it's uh, August through to July, give or take, uh, he's 500 runners, he's r- going at a 16% win record and a 40% place record for the last season, which is phenomenal uh, effort for Craig Williams and obviously on the back of the Group 1 yesterday. Congratulations. Welcome to the factory. Jeez. Short really week, short week. I didn't have much to go with. Okay. not sure about the percentages of the wins to place. Mm. Not many facts there either. Yeah. I mean, like, maybe, might he, be top know, 10, I'm not the, sure. He's one of the best jockeys, so he gets on the best horses every time. So mm. no wonder he gets a high <coughs> place percentage. Anyway, that's cheeses, I guess, this week. Yeah. Now mine. Boz, you've got a clear runway to win this, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I've... Don't stuff it up. No, I've nailed it this week, to be <laughs> honest. Let me just run through a couple of stats of this fella. Like cheese, I've stayed at home. This bloke, number five overall pick in the AFL. Oh, no. Played 300 games. Sam Petrovsky said. Most recent play to kick 100 goals. 2018 All-Australian captain. He's won two flags. And why he's the legend this week. After his four-goal hole, he's mm, now like the sixth most... He's on. He's the sixth most goal kicker ever in AFL history, taking over my boy Jack Titus and 900... 73 goals. My legend this week is the almighty Buddy Franklin. Get him in. Is there any argument, is, is fellas? He's already in. <laughs> no, I actually thought long and hard about Buddy and went with Ange, uh, and I should have gone Buddy because I I tend to agree. I think it's a no contest yeah. this week. We don't, we don't need Lynch for the tiebreaker this week. Lock it in. <laughs> Lock, Lock it in. Did, Lock you, it in buddy. did you have any rebuttal? Any, anyone you'd like to add? Nothing. Nothing further. Lance Armstrong? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> he's an absolute superstar. Can uh, we all agree on that? Yeah, yeah. he's like, fantastic. Obviously, he's starting. I think his he's still a good chance of all Australian, even though he spent you know a little bit of injury time yeah. this year. I think he's he's you know, a lot of talk about Harry Mackay. I think I think Buddy's got a higher goals to game, game ratio, ratio yeah. so far. So, but, and even like for someone his age, thirty three, thirty four, the position he plays, the size that he is, generally it's they're, they're gone by then. And so to still be doing what he's doing at that age, he's an absolute genuine superstar. Obviously, yeah, broke my heart in twenty end of twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen when he left the Hawks and went to the Swans. But I could never hate him. He's not the type of player that you think, okay, I can I hate you now. I was like, no, nah, I understand. Go do what you have to do, and yeah, absolute legend. So he's in, boys. Where the entrant boss? Yes, he's done it. Finally, <laughs> boss has got another one in the in the well factory. Done, well presented. Yeah, I nearly said it again. I nearly said it again. <laughs> you did it's a factory. <laughs> so uh, just before we wrap up tonight, boys, maybe a little bit of early news hot off the press. You back? You back behind the wheel? No. Oh. Yes, but no. That's not what I was coming with. It looks as though early doors, but Carlton might lose this game they're playing against Adelaide, and I think David Teague might be told, "Don't come Monday." Teague out. It's six nil. If they lose this, it's literally been all that late. I've been watching it here. If they lose this, don't come Monday. Well, we'll report on that next week, fellas. We'll we'll come back to you with uh, whether Teague's in or out. 
But boys, thank you. Uh, thank you, boss. Another thank you, Lynch. Pod. Thank you, Lynch. Thanks, Lynch. Thank you, Josh. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.